Six Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode Two, Season Three. Bow, 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 bow. I am your host, Mr. Mike Seta, joined as always by the soulless canine Rydog. What the fuck is up, Denny's? And of course, not the quarterback, Mr. Chris Sims. How's it going? How's it going? Well, before we get started, we wanna got a lot of stuff to cover today. Just want to remind everybody. Follow us on all those social medias at HitStickFantasy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, feel free to follow our own personal Twitters at Michael underscore Seta. I'm at the real Ryan Long. And I'm at Hitstick Chris. Get at us. Ask us some questions. Let's help you win some championships. And for any long-form feedback or questions, recommendations, or anything along those lines, you could always send us an email at HitStickFantasy at gmail.com. 100%. So first things first, uh, Chris, you got some uh, news for us? Yeah, so um, I definitely want to keep everyone informed. I know a lot of people that are tuning in this time of year are used to us going over things like rookie rankings and stuff like that, getting you ready for the dynasty. We brought it up last week. We're going to bring it up again just to make sure everyone's aware. There is now a hit stick dynasty podcast where we are all dynasty all the time. We are going over things like we did a super flex rookie mock draft, I think, last week. So, I mean, if you want to, if you're one of those Dynasty fanatics like I am, get on over to that podcast and listen to me ramble on about Dynasty stock with a few other also Dynasty crazy fantasy players. There's not much to get there. So, but yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on over there. It's rookie season. We all got the fever. Always. We do. Always. So, but while we're here right now, just, I mean, there's, there are some people that kind of value guys' opinions. I I think maybe. Um, Most. Most do. Maybe a few, like one or two out there, you know, like your parents. But, um. I'm curious. I want to know because it's it's definitely a hot commodity right now in the dynasty community and just in the whole fantasy community as a whole is these wide receivers in the 22 class. I got to hear what you guys, how you would rank the quote unquote top four from a, like in your dynasty rookie drafts. Cause you two are two dynasty football playing gentlemen yourself. We are the consensus top four seem to be Garrett Wilson. I'll give you mine. My, cause mine is within the consensus top four. However you rank these four, Mine would go Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks at two, Drake London at three, and I got Jamison Williams at four. Tell me who your guys' top four is. and Do you have the same top four, or is there somebody else in there that isn't in the consensus top four? Um, I personally have three out of those four in my top four. Uh, my dynasty overall number one would be Drake London. I think he's a stud. Uh, Garrett Wilson, who for the 2022 season would be my number one overall, but he's my number two dynasty wide receiver out of this rookie class. Number three would then go Traylon Burks, and then number four I'd round out with the new guy, Chris Olave. Chris Olave. A lot of Ohio State love there. Seto, what do you got? So I'm going to kind of piggyback off the Ohio State love. Um, I go one, Garrett Wilson, two, J-Mo Williams, three, Chris Olave, and four, Jahan Dotson. Very, very close fifth is Drake London because of the situation. I just don't think he's as good of a player as those other guys in my top. You know, and that's that's one thing I've actually been bringing up a lot is I, I love Drake London, the player, but I, I'm concerned about the quarterback play because we saw what Marcus Mariota did with a big framed body receiver, a.k.a. Corey Davis. It wasn't that good. So, But that's that's interesting. Instead of you definitely have a unique top four. I mean, they're, they're, you never know what's going to happen with any of these, but I definitely like Jahan Dotson a lot and the upside of Jameson Williams. If, oh, he's got yeah. definitely a crazy ceiling. If, if there's anybody here that can reach, you know, that – high-end wide receiver one, like, ceiling. I'm not going to say Chase or Jefferson territory. I don't think there's I – don't, I don't think that's possible in this draft, but it, it would definitely be Jameson Williams. So, but, yeah, that's a little bit of Dynasty Talk. Like I said, if you guys want to get a full breakdown of where we're valuing these rookies, head on over to the Hitstick Dynasty podcast. Check out our mock draft episode. Kind of get yourself ready for these rookie drafts here. So, let's jump into it. 
All right. A little new drop for you boys and ladies out there. For our first segment of the day, we're going to be talking about some of the biggest uh, coaching changes and how they will affect the fantasy assets on that said team. So, uh, Ryan, you want to go ahead and give us a go? Yeah, I'll start us off. Um, my choice was that's Mike McDaniel for the Miami Dolphins. He's probably the most creative head coach to be hired this offseason. He did some crazy things over there in San Francisco these last few years. Uh, only spent one year as an offensive coordinator, and we saw what he did with Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell and just that whole offense. Took them to the NFC Championship game. He's kind of been a great run game type of guy for his entire coaching career, and he's a young, personable coach. Uh, the players are going to love him. The only issue I see coming up with that is, does that really lead to success in the NFL? He could be a quick burnout and then back to the assistant coaching reins for his career. I'm excited to see what he can do because he has a lot of fantasy weapons on his team. Uh, starting with acquiring Tyree Kill this offseason, they paid a bunch of capital to go get him. They gave him a big contract, and he is a stud fantasy football player. He will be getting the ball a lot in that offense. Uh, Jalen Waddle, sophomore season, can he continue on his uh, rise and I I fully believe he can and I'm really starting to trust in Tua I I am tanking for Tua I am following Tua on I am part of that crew I am a big fan of what he can actually do under a new head coach a coach that believes in him with all of the weapons he has around him I am excited to see what Miami has this year yeah honestly I don't disagree with a lot of you're talking about but I think the main issue when it comes to talking fantasy wise for the Dolphins is so many mouths to feed they have three decent enough running backs in there. They just signed Sony Michelle this yep, week. They didn't. Yep. They have Chase Edmonds. They have Miles Gaskin still. They have Raheem Mostert. They have Jalen Waddle. They have Kasiki. They have, they just have a ton of people. So it's going to be how does he utilize all of those, um, you know, different weapons as well as was it Shanahan running that offense in San Fran or does Mike McDaniel have a lot, you know. To, to say for it, it so. is hard to say considering McDaniel has essentially followed around Shanahan for his entire like head coaching and assistant coaching career. So McDaniel, he's been in the shadow of Shanahan for a while. So I'm glad he's finally getting a shot, and he's still a young guy. Wait, not me. Yeah, okay, Mike McDaniel. I was like, wait, wait, who are we talking about again? We Mike. are. Yeah, there's there's going to be multiple McDaniels that we're talking the, about. Yeah, that's why I got a little sidetracked. This is the McDaniel coaching season. It, it absolutely is. I, I mean, I actually I'm excited to see what he can do too. I, I like coaches that come from the Kyle Shanahan system especially for fantasy football purposes, because they do tend to learn a lot on how to run the offenses from them, it seems like, and they do seem to mimic those systems a lot. I'm very excited for Tyreek Hill possibly taking over a Debo Samuel-like role, and I think his value, I think with the perceived hit that he so took with losing Patrick Mahomes, I think that you're going to get a good value on him in your redrafts this coming season. If he can slip into the back end of that second round, or maybe in some cases, if you get lucky, hit the jackpot and find yourself a Tyree kill in the third. I don't expect that to happen often, no. but you know, you just, you just never know. There are people that are going to downgrade Tyree kill because he's lost Pat Mahomes, And that's, that's a right thing to do. But I do like that. You know, I, I expect them to put him in like a Debo Samuel role where he gets some carries and they, you just find a way to get him the ball. They're going to put the ball in his hands. That's all you need to do. Yep. I want to ask you, Ryan, cause you, you know, you dug deep on this team here. What do you think of the running back room in this situation? Because there's three people there that could possibly be relevant between Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and now Sony Michelle. The Kyle Shannon system historically does put out a good running back. Is there a running back to own on that team? Uh, up until this afternoon, I would have said it was Chase Edmonds. He okay. was the one who got the money in the offseason, and I figured he would be the one in line for the most work. 
Gaskin, I think Gaskin's going to kind of fall to the wayside. I didn't even if, say his name because I don't even think he's relevant anymore. I don't think he is either. He might be a cut candidate. So, but with the emergence of Sony Michelle, there are, you know, a new three-headed beast. And one thing, like you said, we've learned from the 49er system is you can't really trust one running back going into the season. You have to find the hot hand and just ride that because whoever is the starting running back that week for the Miami Dolphins will probably end up being a top 16 running back that week for fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, pay attention to injuries for sure. I mean, so is there one that you would take, like, or like which one in your draft would you take first, if any? And what round do you think they're like a value? Like, if you can get the first San Fran or the first Miami running back on in the eighth round, who would you want? Would you still want it to be Edmonds? I would still lean Edmonds. And I think the great thing about that is you're not going to have to reach on one of those running backs because if Edmonds is the first to come off the board, he'll probably come into like the 20s, the RB20s. And you're okay essentially just throwing darts at that point for your running yeah, back. I agree. I, I definitely agree. So. Yeah, that, for me personally, that's a team I'm staying away from this year in fantasy. Even Waddle and Tyreek? Yeah, definitely. I just think, like, you were talking about him sliding into the third round with Tyreek, and that's fine. Like, I would definitely be willing to not get the top-end points like that Tyreek has gotten over the past few years. But I think he's going to go in the end of the first, beginning of the second, and that's too too steep for me to be. With I, I mean, ADPs are really kind of hard to trust right now because nobody's drafting yet. But from what I've seen this year so far, looking at like, uh, I think Keep Trade Cut has some ADPs and stuff on there. He is still being drafted as a top five wide receiver, so there is caution to be had there. I still, I, I don't have a problem with him as, as top. Five. I don't either, but you know, definitely, you know, worrisome without Mahomes. Now, I do think that Waddle might turn into a value depending on oh, where yeah. he slips. Because oh, if yeah. he slips, because I mean, this is a, a guy that you can hyper target. Phenomenal speed, great, great wide receiver. If you can get him in a value, he's somebody I'm going to have my eyes on this coming for where his ADP falls. I'm going to definitely be looking at him. Yeah, if he's like a little bit later, like fourth, fifth round kind of guy, which I don't know if it's going to drop that far for him, then I would be interested. But there's just, like I said in the beginning, so many mouths. It's a team I'm going to stay away from when it comes to fantasy. Yeah, that's fair. I mean. But uh, moving on here, I'm going to just get started with mine, who is a uh, disciple from another great coach like Ryan's was, and that is Mr. Brian Dable for the New York Football Giants. Uh, He is from the Belichick tree, which, you know, a lot of those coaches don't really last too long, but Dable has been a very solid coach for very many years in the NFL. In his last four seasons, he was the OC in Buffalo, and a lot of what he likes to highlight is – just simplifying the offense for his quarterbacks. He uses a lot of motion to help dis, like, you know, decipher the coverages for the defense. He has a ton of mesh concepts, which is really good for a lot of the receivers in New York. And he has a lot of empty sets, a lot of design quarterback runs. Nowhere near is the athlete Daniel Jones is to Josh Allen. Do not get me wrong. But they're similar style of quarterbacks. And I can see them utilizing Daniel Jones' athleticism a little bit. So maybe a decent late-round flyer. Um, but I think the biggest, you know, hype for Brian Dable is he utilizes the team he has. In his first two seasons with Josh Allen, they threw the ball only 320 times, 460 times because they were running the crap out of the ball. He ran the ball sixth most times in the NFL. Then he moved on to letting Josh Allen work, went from 572 pass attempts and 646 pass attempts over the last two seasons. I really, really like Saquon Barkley this year because I think they are going to feed him the ball as long as he can stay on the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely into Saquon as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm back on him. You have to be. I mean, they're going to ride him out because, you know, they're paying him for this last year. They're going to run him to the ground. Yeah, probably. 
I do have to say, I don't really like Daniel Jones. I don't think Daniel Jones is good. I think there's a reason they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. I am pretty much off this team completely outside of Saquon Barkley for the year of 2022. But I do actually like this head coach. And I do think that moving forward after this year, he's going to, I think after we get through this one more bad year, next year's supposed to be a really good quarterback class, which is what, you know, Seta, you were just highlighting. That's one of the things that the new head coach is very, very good at. I think after that, we'll see an uptick for the Giants. But still, as long as Daniel Jones is under center, I've seen enough. I just don't think he's good. Yeah, they have to wash off that Gettleman stink. Yeah. So I'm, I'm out on every single Giants player for redraft purposes outside of Saquon Barkley in 2022. I agree. Yeah, Daniel Jones is going to be probably one of my favorite late-round QB stashes, like last pick of the draft, last few rounds of your draft, just because he has that rushing touchdown upside. But um, that's the probably, like, you got to wait to see how this wide receiver room really shakes out. If they move on from Tony, then it may be solidify who's going to get a lot of those opportunities. If they don't, it's going to be a mess similar to how Miami's receiving and running back room is. Yeah, All that's right, fair. Chris, who do you got for us? So I picked to touch base on the Las Vegas Raiders for my coaching channel. The Raiders. The Raiders, which they acquired Josh McDaniels, longtime offensive coordinator for the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Big Stimmy himself, Bill Belichick. And there was a lot that I loved about... You were on to Cincinnati. There we go. There it is. So there was a lot that I really liked. I, I, I have a lot of high hopes for the Raiders team, and especially from a fantasy football perspective in the 2022 season. I think this was a great signing for them. And I know that, that historically the Belichick tree doesn't get a lot of... like it, it's, There's not a lot of praise to it. They usually don't do well. Belichick doesn't usually groom his coaches to go off and be head coaches. But there's a lot of differences... In this scenario. So he spent 13 years as the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. He did actually have a head coaching stint back in 2009 and 2010, if you don't remember that, for the Denver Broncos. During that time frame, had a decent rookie season as a head coach, went 8-8. Eight and eight. Then he got fired the following season, started off 3-9, 11-17 all-time. Not that great, but not the same team. And here's one of the biggest differences between this situation and other ones and other situations from other Bill Belichick coaching tree coaches. He brought the Patriots GM with him. Dave Ziegler from New England, who has been the GM for the last nine seasons, is now there with him as well. So, and what has this team done since they've moved there? Well, they've gone out. They've made big accusations. They've made a big trade. They've went out and got Devontae Adams. They traded away a first and a second round pick, showing you that they mean business. They're trying to get playmakers. It's not like this Raiders team was bad. They made the playoffs last year. They snuck in as 10 and 7, got eliminated by the Bengals. They, in the draft, invested in offensive line, running back, and defensive line. So, Clearly, he's setting a foundation. They got you know a pretty good offensive line. I think he's a center. I was Dylan Parham in the third, and I liked Zemir Roy a lot as the running back going there. I, I definitely think there's a lot of upside to be had in this team. I'm going to break down the logistics for the fantasy implications here. I'm going to dive in, starting with the pass catchers. So basically, they went out and they got Devontae Adams, as we all know. And if you look back at the Josh McDaniels like history here, he is the kind of guy that likes to feature an ex-receiver. So for anybody that's concerned about Devontae Adams, I personally wouldn't be. If you date back all the way to when they had Randy Moss in like 2007, you can see very, very similar like statistics and like just basically get into the dynamics. Like in 2007, Randy Moss had a 27% of the entire team's total target share. That was under Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. 2008, this was without Tom Brady. That dipped down to 23. That makes sense. Look at Josh McDaniels as a head coach. When he was in Denver, Brandon Marshall, he saw 101 targets, played 13 games. That was averaging out to be a 22% target share. Now, even last year, Jacoby Myers, 
not that great of a receiver at all. That man saw a 23% total team target share, and it was a very low pass volume offense for the New England Patriots last year. So right there, you, you can tell he does like to feature that X receiver. It is a little bit of a dip that Adams is like used to with that averaging, you know, because Adams, I, I looked at it, 2021, Adams had 30%, 2020, 32, 2019, 29. And I'm going off of like a per game basis, factoring in like games that he missed and stuff like that. So... I'm not really worried about Devontae Adams' upside going to a new team, and even though the fact that he's 30 years old, he does have chemistry with Derek Carr. They obviously played together in college. So I, th- I think you're going to still get a lot of good Devontae Adams' top five wide receiver production from there. From his standpoint, I have no problem at all investing a back-end first in my drafts or even a mid-range first to get a guy like Adams, and I definitely think you're going to get him at a value for this season. I think Derek Carr paired up with this quarter or with this coach is going to have a lot of high upside. We might see a top 12 season from Derek Carr for the first time in his career. Oh, there is. I, I might. I'm not claiming it. Like it's it, it might have. I mean, he's got a good arsenal of weapons with Demonte Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. And the running back room isn't bad either with Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake and Zamir White. And plus factor in that division, that division, you're going to need to score to put up points in that division. And it's not like you have to understand. McDaniels knows that. He went into this division. He went into the, they're calling this the SEC of the NFL because of how stacked that division is. So I will say this from like fantasy purposes. I, I am concerned for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. I'm not going to really know how I feel about them until I get an accurate just like look at what ADP is because Devontae Adams is just that kind of player that demands targets. And Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the red zone in the entire NFL. So I think that Darren Waller is going to lose some red zone targets, which really takes a massive hit to his value. And I think Renfro is going to lose some targets. I think they both lose some targets because of Adams. And that's what Waller kind of is. Out of the big-time tight ends, I don't really like Waller. If I had him in a dynasty format, I would be trying to sell him. It's kind of hard coming off the year that he had last year. But I think there's some concern with those two players. But there is some definitely big values on this team for fantasy going into the season. And I think the big three are Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and then Josh Jacobs, who I actually really, really like going into the 22 season. One thing that about Josh McDaniels is he likes to throw the ball to the running back. That man gives targets to that position. We saw 88 targets to the running back position in 2021. We saw 111 in 2020. We saw 164 in 2019. The big problem with that is it's typically through an RBVC. There is, I mean, all three years you saw Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Bolden. There's multiple running backs involved. Now, what makes this situation a little bit different is Josh Jacobs is probably the best pass catcher on that team right now from the running back room. I don't like what I saw in Kenyon Drake. I think he's kind of washed. Zamir White is not a pass-catching running back. But the best part about this as well is he does also like to utilize a one-running back system when it comes to carries. You, you date back. Let's look back. Let's go deep because, I mean, I'm trying. I, I dug really far deep in yeah, this. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Holy shit. I did way too much Raiders research. Yeah, time. what? I had two lines written about Mike McDaniel. Well, this is what being prepared looks like. But I wanted to give a real description because – to be fair, the Patriots never had, the, in the last like five seasons, the Patriots have not had a receiver like Devontae Adams. So I dated back to when they did, and that was Randy Moss. And I mean, I think we can all agree that Randy Moss and Devontae Adams, in terms of fantasy dominance, they're, they're in the same ballpark. Like, they're both great. They were yeah. both the number ones of their positions. That, and, now, and if you look at even when he was a head coach back in the Denver Broncos, no Sean Moreno. Remember that name? Yeah. 247 Jumped carries. Over 40, over and 41 targets. You're looking at 15 to 16 carries per game and a possible three to four targets per game. That is a very, very good stat line for a running back on opportunity. 
So I really like where Josh Jacobs is probably going to end up in this draft. If you can snag him somewhere in the back of your second round or third round, I think that is a great value for the running back position. I would love to get him as my RB2. And like I said, I would not be worried at all about Adams. I think this, I don't know if this team is going to take the jump forward that the Raiders think they are and go out and win a Super Bowl under Josh McDaniels, but I do think he's going to keep the fantasy production in some of these players, and I'm not worried at all about that. All right, well, that was a lot to take in there. So I had to start taking notes to make sure I can bring up my points because you, you started talking about 17 minutes ago. So um, <laughs> I did a lot of research. So first things first, um, there was one thing in that whole 20-minute span that I agreed with. Our whole podcast is 22 and, minutes as a whole right now, so it wasn't 20 minutes. That is that I do think Derek Carr has the possibility of being very, very good this year because of the upgrade of weapons. The main things I disagree with is similar to what I was talking about with Ryan with the Tyree kill is – do I think Devonte Adams is great? Yes. Do I think he's one of the best receivers in the league? Yes. But if you're going to be drafting him in that first round of your fantasy drafts or early second, you know, there is such a, a wide range of outcomes because he already has that developed NFL chemistry with Renfro, with Waller. Those two guys were successful in fantasy because they were hyper-targeted, just like Devonte Adams was in Green Bay. And Green Bay never had a guy like Renfro or Waller to take away targets from Devontae Adams. So I just think that with the price you're going to pay for Devontae Adams, it might hurt you with instead of taking guys that can get hyper-targeted early in your drafts. So I'm one of the biggest Devontae Adams fans. He was one of my favorite first-round picks over the last four years, but that's a guy I'm not going to be taking in the first, maybe even not the second round this year. See, I I like him there, and I think I'm not as worried about that because even if you take away – Devontae Adams was getting 30% of his entire team target share. That doesn't typically happen. And you're not going to go out and trade away what they traded and pay this man to not use him. And then you, on chemistry, this Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, they played together in college. That They have chemistry. And It was like eight years ago. That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. I'm just not that concerned. I, I You don't – they paid that man a – boatload of money and I think I mean you get him to do that he's the best receiver in the league right now for a reason you're not going to use him and Derek Carr is the kind of quarterback that will hyper target so and the best part is is I don't think that you have to pay the normal Devontae Adams price I think Devontae Adams is very realistically going to slip to possibly the third or fourth receiver taken in your drafts this year because people are going to take Chase people are going to take Jefferson there's people that are going to they're going to take these new hot young names over the known commodity. And I just, I think you're going to get him at a smash value. If I can get Devontae Adams in the early part of my second round and pair him with a dominant running back, I think you're just setting yourself up to have a great season. Yeah, well, he's going to be the wide receiver four off the board after Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. Yeah, I just, the last thing I wanted to bring up was you're bringing up all these stats from literally the undefeated Patriots, the best team in our lifetime, pretty much. Stats And I don't think that this Raiders team is anywhere near as good, anywhere near as explosive. So there's a lot of things that I can, like, I don't agree with that's how their offense is going to run. I think there's going to be a lot more. I just, I just think it's going to be a lot more spread out. And I feel like over McDaniel's career in New England, he loves those slot receivers, you know, whether it's Amendola, Edelman, Wes Welker, any other white guy receivers you can name. Enter Hunter Renfro. Exactly, and that is one of my biggest things is I think Hunter Renfro is going to be still a guy for them. Oh, for so sure. So that, that's what makes me nervous about – it's not that Devontae Adams isn't going to play well. It's he's not going to play well as a first-round talent. Yeah. 
Waller is the loser in all of this. Devontae Adams is going to see a 20 to 25% target share. That's just and going, going to be happen. red zone targets. And it's going to be red uh, zone I'm targets. Not, I'm not saying stay away from Renfro. I need to see where Renfro's ADP is. If Renfro's ADP is in like the fourth or fifth round, I'm off. If Renfro slips to that seventh or eighth round, I'm in. I think that's why I have to know that because you are right. He does utilize those white boy slot receivers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to definitely watch throughout the season and see how things shake up. And I'm not saying that they're going to be the undefeated Patriots, but I wanted to look and get data from when he had a legitimate X receiver, which the last time the Patriots did, in my opinion, was Randy Moss. So that's why I went way back there. And if you look at his overall, what he does, it just kind of syncs up. So I'm excited about this hire, and I'm excited about Raiders players in 2022. Yeah, I think they're going to be a maybe a better team this year with the coach. But fantasy-wise, I think a lot of their players took a hit. But anyways, we did enough talking about the Raiders. The Raiders. So let's move it on. All righty. So for our next segment and our last segment of the day, we're going to talk about a few players who have been honestly fantasy studs, fantasy all-stars, guys who have been dominant over their career. But are they over the hill? Are they done for? Can you see them really drop off and burn you when it comes to taking these guys in the first or early second round of your fantasy drafts? So, all right, we got to give Chris's mouth a break. So, Ryan, get us started. All right, I'm going to start with who I think is probably the biggest uh, boom or bust out of the three of us that we chose. Uh, and we all happen to go running back here, uh, aging running back. I went with Mr. Aaron Jones, running back for the Green Bay Packers, who he's 27, turning 28. He's hitting that, you know, that crimson age of running backs where they kind of start to decline naturally. Only the tough survive. Uh, but I'll start off with some negatives. Other than his age, he's got A.J. Dillon playing behind him. They run essentially at a... 70-30 split on snap share. Uh, A.J. Dillon, he continues to see 10 to 13 rushes a game. That's hurting the upside of uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, another thing I think will work him against him is the theory of the way the season's going to go. Green Bay Packers are the fourth highest favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. Everyone still thinks they are going to be good. They bolstered their defense while not adding too many offensive weapons. So with them still being favored, I think you're going to have a season where Aaron Jones is kind of given a rest essentially. And that hurts fantasy stock. That doesn't hurt his stock. It hurts fantasy stock. They will give AJ Dillon more time to shine because they're going to want to have Aaron Jones for when it comes playoff, you know, contention time run. Uh, And the other thing we're working against him is he is the only provable weapon on that offense outside of Aaron Rodgers. He is the only guy who can do everything and will try to do everything. So if he's not given the full workload, that's going to hurt his production. The thing that I see that makes me actually still love Aaron Jones this year are the positives, the splits. When you look at the splits, you know, spread them wide open. And games where he played without Devontae spread Adams, Got it. which he gets to do all this year now, he has been a fantasy stud. He sees very similar rushing yards, an uptick in the rushing touchdowns, but then you go to the passing game. If you're playing in any type of PPR format, you're looking at a guy who gets almost a double the receptions and yards that he gets normally and four times the receiving touchdowns that he gets when Devontae Adams is on the field. So if he's going to be out there for that still 70 to 75% uh, tar- or snap share, and he gets that workload, you are in for another top five season out of Aaron Jones. The problem is if things don't work his way and A.J. Dillon is starting to hamper in, you're looking at RB15 Aaron Jones. And with that age, 
I kind of see the decline starting this year. Now, yeah. what would you get go for like percentage wise? Would you go like under or over fifty percent? You think he's going to be like a top twelve or lower than that? I'll bank on the over just because they don't have anything else and they That's are trying to win say. the Super Bowl this year. Aaron Rodgers is forty forty one years old. If you asked me that if you did this exact same bid like before the Devontae Adams trade, I was one hundred percent on board with you. The second Devontae Adams got shipped, I I mean it is hard because the running back, it's not a, it's not like a, you know, kind of steady decline. It's a cliff. They fall right off that cliff and they're they go from being fantasy dominant to completely irrelevant literally overnight. But history does show when a wide receiver leaves a team that commanded a target share like Adams did, majority of those targets do go to the running back position. And we also know that Aaron Rodgers is the kind of player that is only going to utilize the players he trusts. And that man loves Aaron Jones. Oh, yeah. That's his favorite player on the offense right now. So I I do think that Aaron Jones is going to be kind of spelled a little bit by A.J. Dillon this year. I like A.J. Dillon That's a lot. That's the thing I think working against him is A.J. Dillon. But That's- I think it's going to make up for it with the pass can. I think he's going to get an uptick in those targets because he's a better pass catcher than Dillon, and Rodgers trusts him probably more than Dylan. Now, I do think Dylan is going to start taking goal line work from him this year. Oh, yeah. And so. Dylan is slightly involved in the passing game himself. So if A.J. Dylan starts to emerge as a more of a favored running back, you could see a 60-40 split, and that kind of really sucks for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think A.J. Dylan's a good value this year, too. He is. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing you got to think of when you're talking about the Green Bay team and some of those weapons is, do we expect Aaron Rodgers to still be Aaron Rodgers? Because if we do, and we expect them to be the fourth, th- fifth, sixth best team in the NFL – they're going to need to score some touchdowns, and there's really no competition out there. So you can see a, a big uptick in Aaron Jones' touchdowns this year too. But so. you've also seen his touchdowns decline year after year since like 2018, uh, 2019. Yeah, I mean, and Devontae Adams with like 15 of them is gone. So there's going to have to be some. So unless you expect Aaron Rodgers to drop to like 28 touchdowns instead of 40, there's going to be some more to pick up. And if Aaron Jones can get four to five receiving touchdowns to tack on to whatever he does rushing – I'm in on Aaron Jones. Sammy Watkins season, baby. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that's enough for Aaron Jones. Chris, you want to get started with your over the hill? Yeah, I chose to talk about Ezekiel Elliott running back for the Dallas Cowboys. This is another one. I mean, these are so hard when you dive into them because it's it's scary. It is. I mean, you're so you you're so used to trusting and loving this player, and now it's like I'm I just want to send him off. You know, just, I'm still gonna trust and love all these players this year. Yeah, but I mean, there's that de- so. And there's definitely a world that this burns you, me. Like, and that's why, like, I wanted to break it down. Like, I, I would like Zeke, if I can get Zeke in the back end of the second round this year, I'd be in. But I don't know if that's going to happen just yeah, based I on. Yeah, I doubt that. Yeah, I do too. So, and that then that's why, I mean, he's 26 years old right now, but he will be 27 in July, right before the season starts. And look, like I said, when you were talking about Aaron Jones, the running back position, it's just a cliff. You just have no warning whatsoever before these players drop off. Similar to Aaron Jones, you have the rise of Tony Pollard, where last season we saw him getting on the field even more. He was getting close to 40% of the team's total snap percentage more often than not for a large majority of the year. And I, I think, look, Zeke is already right now, as it is, a massive outlier at the position. It's very, very rare to see somebody do what Ezekiel Elliott's been do- doing. This man has never not been an RB1. Uh, the only time he's not been an RB1 was the year he finished RB13, and that doesn't count. He had a six-game suspension. So had he played six more games, I'm pretty confident he'd have moved that stat line up a spot or two. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it's definitely – I'm not saying – I would not be surprised in the slightest if Zeke just does 
business as usual for Zeke, and we get another RB7 season out of him, and it's just your normal, what you know, because they, they, the team does seem like they are committed to him. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. But losing Amari Cooper doesn't help, and well, I mean, actually does help his situation. I think we're going to get, I predict we're going to get the same year we got last year out of Zeke, where he finishes as, like, what, the RB7, but we're complaining about him every week. Possibly, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I'm off him completely, but... I don't really want him as my RB1 going into this year just because of the fear of Tony Pollard and just the decline of running back and just how incredibly hard it is to keep doing what he's doing. And he has statistically gotten worse every single year. So Yeah, as long as Dak stays healthy, I'm definitely not out on Zeke. Like He's just one of those guys who even – he's like – when it comes to being a fantasy football player, he's way better than an actual NFL player because Jerry Jones just loves him and they're going to keep feeding him the ball. So – Without Amari Cooper there, a little bit of target share is going to go towards him, and he's not a terrible pass catcher. I know Tony Pollard is pretty good, and I know he's ascending, but I still think they're going to ride out Zeke until his contract's yeah, up. Jerry Jones is getting his 90 mil worth. Yeah, he is. That's what I said. I, I, I definitely think Zeke's going to get the volume. Uh, my worries are, can he hold up for another season with that full workload, and does Tony Pollard take away that pass-catching appeal completely and make it to where Zeke you know, only sees that – 20 to 30 targets for the season. So that that's my concerns. So, I mean, like I said, I, I would not be surprised, though, if he does business as usual for Zeke. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and get on to mine. And my players, uh, you know, your guys' two players are players I wouldn't hate being on my fantasy team. My player is the guy I'm going to specifically stay away from. Same. Um, and that is Mr. Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings. Let him fall to me, baby. And, you know, Dalvin... Was very good his first few seasons, but he still has yet to play a full season in his career, which I know is somewhat rare when it comes to running backs, but you would expect a guy like Dalvin Cook to at least have one out of his first four seasons where he plays majority of games. He usually caps it at 11 or 12 games. That's always hurt you. Last year, only six touchdowns. That is not a good sign for a running back that you're going to take top five or in the first round, you know, and that's not what you need. You need upside when it comes to those bell cow running backs. He had 250 attempts last year, still averaged about 90 yards a game, which is very, very solid. He has only had three receiving touchdowns in his entire career. And like Zeke, he's going to be 27 before the season even starts. And real quick, last thing, he finished at running back 15 overall last year, just ahead of the big dog, Derrick Henry, who missed a ton of time. And he also finished behind guys like James Conner, Leo Fournette, Cordero Patterson, Antonio Gibson, Nick Chubb, Damian Harris, and even Josh Jacobs. All those guys were drafted way after Dalvin Cook. So there's just a massive, massive decline when it comes to what you're getting and what you're paying for when it comes to Dalvin Cook. Honestly, the main thing is Minnesota has been switching to a more pass-heavy offense. They love utilizing their young stud receiver in Jefferson, who's had seven touchdowns and ten touchdowns in his young career. Plus, Adam Thielen has had double-digit touchdowns and is a major red zone threat over the last two seasons. So, Dalvin Cook, guy I'm definitely staying away from. Yeah, I, I, I hate Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook cost me a championship, so he's on my never again list. So, that's – but I, I, I worry about his decline. I mean, this he has a lot of injury, a large injury history. I mean, everything you just hit, touch base on is – I worry about him too. He's one of the first-round running backs that I – don't really want on my team. I, I'm going to try to avoid that. I mean, there is a point, there's always a line where a player who is overvalued becomes a value. So I'm not ever going to really say I'm completely out, but 
he's right next to that. I'm completely out. I don't really want much to do with Dalvin Cook. I don't care how good he is. He just always seems to let you down when you need him the most during the back end of the season, during those fantasy playoffs. I know multiple friends and other owners that have fallen short on a playoff run with a dominant team because Dalvin Cook let them down. I just don't trust him. And I don't see Dalvin Cook getting out of the first round when it comes to fantasy. No, drafts. he's going to be. If, if anything, I'll be, I'll be taking seven. him. Yeah, yeah, I'll be taking him. And if anything, he'll be the first pick in the second round or something like that. And that is just way too steep for guys I can try to pair my running back room together with, like a Damian Harris, like a Nick Chubb late. Like, there's so many other dominant players that are guaranteed opportunity, guaranteed touchdowns, aside from Dalvin Cook. And. This is Jefferson's offense now. Yeah, yeah. And that's the line for me. If, da- if Dalvin Cook slipped to the second, I would take him there. Yeah. That, that's where I would be completely fine. But that's not going to happen. So let me ask you a question. Let's play a quick game, find the line. Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook? Joe Mixon. Joe easy Mixon. Joe Mixon. Okay, obviously we're going to CMC or Dalvin Cook? CMC. Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook? Nick Chubb. Dalvin Cook. Okay, I, that's that's fair. Um, So we're starting to get in there. Saquon Barkley or Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Saquon. Cook. Wow, so that is completely off him, and I love it. I'm still riding Dalvin Cook. Zeke or Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Zeke. Cook. I would probably go Dalvin. I mean, you got when you look at Zeke, you know, you draft him in the top five running backs, and he finishes in the top ten every year. So I, that, that's the so one thing you wh- can't say about. So Zeke. does Dalvin Cook. I mean, yeah, he, missed he finished three. in at sixteen last year. Yeah, he year. had a down year last year. It was a bummer year for touchdowns with him. But for a guy who always hovers into like the fourteen to sixteen touchdown range throughout his career, as long as you he the one thing I will say about Dalvin Cook is you have to have Madison. You have to handcuff him. Him and Zeke are the must handcuffs of the NFL. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I just don't really want it. You're getting RB one production out of that room. I yeah. would, I would I'd much rather. rather Madison. Yeah, I would much rather just take a swing at, say, I'm at the, the, the four or five spot. I would much rather take a swing on one of those receivers and then pair up with. Oh, I some agree. The, with one of those other running backs that I went over that finished ahead of him last year over him in the second round instead of going Dalvin Cook first and then, all right, now my first receiver is you know who the fuck do I know? Najee and, Harris or Dalvin Cook. Najee. Najee. Now, Ryan, this this is a tough one for him. He doesn't know. I'd, I'd probably go Najee. Just oh, because he plays 100% of the volume. Pittsburgh snaps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at look at these numbers last year when you needed him the most in the playoffs. Week 16, he got you nothing. That man gave you nothing. Did because he play? He, he got COVID. Like a little bitch. What did Madison have that week? I don't know. I don't have Madison's stats pulled up. But the following week in your Super Bowl, he got you 4.3, and he cost me a dynasty championship, and I just genuinely hate this person now. I don't hate him. That's a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like him to quote the plain white tees. So I'm yeah, out. that's fair enough. And I'm definitely staying out mainly on the value of where he's going. So week 16, you got 15 points out of Alexander Madison. So as long as you had your handcuff, you had an RB one. It's hard to get those handcuffs. Sometimes uh, what? you want to use two roster spots for one player. Be my guest. But I know I'm getting a solidified RB one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I mean, I feel like Madison is one of those handcuffs that have also disappointed at times, too. Yeah, he yeah. disappoints when Dalvin Cook plays. No, I'm talking about when it's his backfield. Like, oh, there no, are certain no, instances no, that, no. He oh, no, no, no. that he doesn't play to <laughs> the bell cow status that you would expect him or a Tony Pollard to play when Zeke goes down. So that, that's just where I'm worried about him. I'm like, I'm what Chris was saying, I'm not a big handcuff drafter unless I'm trying to pair together a ZRRB kind of strategy and, you know, you know, try to build that running back room that way. So I'm out on Dalvin Cook. Seems like Chris is kind of out, and Ryan is all in. Fucking yeah. five a, fingers deep. Fully torqued. Always been. I'm just going to draft Alexander Madison in week 15 when I need – in my playoffs, I'll just start Madison, and then I'll get I'll get my 15 points. So. Works for me. That, yeah. Well, I mean, boys, make playoffs anyway, so. I think that'll do it. Good. That'll for today's do. shoe.
And uh, real quick, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Make sure to hit us up on all those social media platforms at Hitstick Fantasy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as well as our own personals at Michael underscore Seta. At The Real Ryan Long. And I'm at Hitstick Chris. And also, if you could rank, review, subscribe to any of our uh, you know, podcast channels, whether it's on Apple Music or Spotify, greatly appreciate it, boys. And let us know what you think and about ladies. the Raiders. Good night, Hit Squad. Fuck you, Corey Long. Fuck you, Javek.